welcome to our Rolling Hills Community Church Sermon Podcast. I'm Anna Townsend, and I'm the preschool pastor here at Rolling Hills. Today, we're bringing our series Advance to a close as we discuss mental health. Knowledge and wisdom are things that we'd all like to have, right? But as Christ followers, how can we please God even as we are growing in our knowledge, insight, and understanding? Let's learn more about that in today's conclusion to our series as we head into God's Word together. Thanks for being here. Well, good morning again. Uh, glad to be able to be uh, together this morning again, and uh, thanks for braving the cold. I think it got above freezing before you got here, uh, which I mean, just that, that's a big step to get outside before it gets above freezing. I don't that uh, at least for me it is. I have to put a jacket on to go to my refrigerator, uh, being from South Louisiana. So this is where I'm about over this. Uh, but we're, I'm excited to be able to get together, to be able to, to worship this morning, uh, to be able to, to gather in this place and, and finish out a series that we started as the, as the new year began called Advance, where over the past several weeks, what we've done is we've just opened up God's word and said, what does it look like for us to grow and mature, to be healthy in, in a couple of areas of life? And, and the first four that we covered and beginning in the first week of the, of the year was we began with physical health and then we talked about uh, it, relational health. You heard from Pastor Jeff about that. Emotional health was our snow Sunday. And so you heard from Pastor Mike Minter about emotional health. And then last week, uh, I, I, we talked about financial health and some of you were really excited and some of you were like, uh, church talking about money again. I'm like, all right, yeah, I understand, but we, that's part of what the Bible says. So we did it. Um, and then this week, I was like, I don't know why I just went into like total redneck for that one. <laughs> Because <clears throat> only people who, uh, yeah, never mind, stop tea. Um, this week we're going to talk about mental health. We're going to talk about mental health. And, I, and honestly, I said this last week, I'm excited to be able to open up God's word together and, and, and go to God's word and ha- have him shed a light on the subject that is so often shredded, sh- shrouded in darkness. Right. If you think about it, just kind of wrap your minds around this. The, the human brain is one of the more, if not the most complex and most incredible structures in all of the universe. And it was created and designed that way by an even more incredible God, right? An infinitely more incredible God. And if you just kind of just the stuff on average, uh, the human brain is about three pounds and it's, you know, this, this spongy mass of, of fat and proteins that, and, and, and billions of neurons and cells. I had to read that somewhere else. I didn't know that before uh, I studied, but this three pound mass, this three pound complex network of cells allows us to do everything that we do. I mean, because of it, we can breathe, we can play, we can love, we can remember things. And, and all of the, what we do happens because of this complex structure that God created us in his image to have. On average, this brain that we have, a human, on average, humans have about 70,000 thoughts in a given day. That averages out to just under 500,000 thoughts in a week. It's about 2 million thoughts in a month, 24 million thoughts in a year, and about 2 billion thoughts over the course of one's life. And that's for folks who are not ADD like me. I had about 2 billion in the past minute as I was trying to walk through that sentence. 
And there's a lot of talk in our world today and in our cold in our world about brain health and our minds being healthy, right? Every iPhone game that you can download somehow tells you that it's going to help your brain be stronger. I'm like, okay, Candy Crush is not actually doing that for anybody. But there's all these things that, you, that, that we have opportunities. We talk about mindfulness and meditation helps keep our brains healthy. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just the opportunities that are there. We talk a lot about those things, and, and there's foods that, are, that yesterday we could eat, today we can't eat, and tomorrow will be superfoods until they're not, and if you eat them, your brain will get stronger. That was funny, and you didn't laugh. The, um, <clears throat> there's a lot that have, we talk about our brains, right? There's a lot that's going on in, in, our world, in, our, in our world that we talk about how brain health is important and what we think is important. And the world's not just, the world may be just catching on to this, but the reality is that scripture from the very beginning has talked to us and God's word has told us how important it is, what we think and how what we think influences everything that we do. And so it's important for us to take captive those thoughts. It's important for us to, to submit to the Lord and letting our minds be renewed and transformed by him. And so today, as we talk about mental health and how we grow and mature in the ways that we process the world around us, what I, what I hope is that God's word, my prayer is that God's word would teach us on this subject that is so often stigmatized and carried undue shame, the subject of mental health. And my prayer is the next few minutes that God would shed his light on it for us. And the centerpiece of this conversation is Romans 12, 1 and 2. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to turn there. And what I want to do for, for the remainder of our time is give us four things that I think that mental health calls for as we just kind of try to wrap our minds around this. The first is kind of just a foundational, definitional kind of thing, and the, the, the other three are more um, directly from this passage. And so if you have your Bibles, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, this is God's word. It says this, Paul writes this. He says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray together. Jesus, we trust you more than we trust ourselves. God, we believe that you see what we could never see, that you understand what we'll never understand. That you created this mind that you've given us and created us in your image and this complex structure that sits inside of our skulls designed by you. God, you desire to use for your glory. And you've given us instructions in your word to take captive those thoughts. Father, I pray this morning that you would, by your grace and your mercy, shed light for us on what it looks like to, have, to be healthy in the way that we think, to grow in wisdom, even as Christ grew in wisdom and stature, as it says in Luke. God, we pray that you would be near to us this morning and that we would hear you sense your presence as we open up your word together. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you have your worship guide, right at the very beginning, there's kind of two things that just kind of lay out. There's two realities for every human made in God's image. Number one, you can write these in. Number one, God desires for us to know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
And number two, there is a real battle in our minds for how we understand and process what's happening both inside us and all around us. We have a good God, a God that desires that we know his will, that he created us to experience life to the full, right? And, and in that creation of, of experience, to experience life to the full, he understands and he sees the world. He sees and he desires us to see the world the way that he sees it through the lens of the gospel, to experience joy and peace and wholeness and, and, and to walk with him. And to understand his good, pleasing, and he desires for us to know that. And at the same time, there's a battle that rages in our minds that thwarts and distorts the thoughts that we have and understanding of what is good and worthy of our attention and our energy. So definitionally, I believe that it's important just at the beginning to establish this. The first thing that mental health calls for is the recognition that mental health affects everyone. That it's how we think feel, act, handle relationships, and stress. That mental health calls for the recognition that mental health affects everyone because mental health is how we think, feel, act, and handle relationships and stress. Amy Alexander, who is a partner at Rolling Hills and also the director of the Refuge Center for, uh, Refuge Center for Counseling that's in Franklin, a couple weeks ago, she met with our staff and she made this comment. She says, mental health carries so much shame and stigma. People have thoughts that someone with mental health issues is broken or they have breakdowns. But mental health is actually how we think, feel, and act, how we handle relationships and stress. And she adds this. And the first time I heard it, I was like, ooh, that's weird. But the reality is that we know it once you really think about it. Mental health is that little voice that you've, the little voice in your head that's been talking to you for as long as you can remember. It's how we think, feel, and act. It's how we handle relationships and stress. It's that little voice inside of our heads that's been talking to us for as long as we can remember. And what that little voice tells us is what's important. And joy, it, it, it's, it's just like every area that we've looked at over the past several weeks. There's seasons that we walk through where we struggle. Some, some of those seasons are short. Some of them are long. Some of them are simple. Some of them are severe. But we all experience struggles in all of the different areas that we've talked about. And, and mental struggles are no less important. And we have those moments when that little voice that's inside of our heads that's telling us what's right and what's wrong lies to us and tells us something that isn't the truth. Tells us something that's not what is the truth of God's word. Often, however, we consider mental health something that other people deal with. Amy says this, she also put this out, that, that these issues don't discriminate. That pre-pandemic, 25% of Americans struggled with mental health conditions. She said this, that, that she says that I would contend that our buildings and services, that our homes, that the places that we live, that our neighbors and, and the, the church that we're in right now, that, are, that are, these places are filled with people who look fine and seem great, but feel lost on the inside. People who are in the midst of anxiety and panic and addiction and loneliness and grief. And these are issues that are on the inside of the walls of the church just as much as they are on the outside. So definitionally, 
What I wanna to, want to establish is that mental health affects everyone because it's, it's what happens. It's the way that we feel and act and it's the, how we handle these relationships and stress. And any one of us can experience seasons in varying degrees where we are mentally unhealthy. Varying degrees in the, in the same way that, you know, I can have a cold or I can have cancer. In both places, I'm ill. But in different ways do I handle or the seriousness of that illness. I may not go see a doctor for a cold, but you better bet I'm going to see a doctor for cancer. And so all of us can experience these moments where we find ourselves in varying degrees of mental of, of unhealth in our minds and the way that we think, the way we process things. Some of those most common ways that we think about it is, is anxiety and depression and maybe mood disorders or eating disorders, impulse controls, addictions, and, and PTSD that's not just not just for military, but anyone who's experienced trauma. Maybe it's a clinical diagnosis or, or, or it's just a, the, that period of deep sadness or loss that many of us experience, but we go through these times in varying degree. The reality is that I'm sure that some of us in this room have walked through these. Maybe even some of us in this room are walking through it right now. And because of the stigma that sometimes these things carry, we, we don't feel comfortable sharing it with others. Maybe you've never told anybody about it. Maybe, maybe you have those misconceptions that are, that are common among all of us that, that mental health, that, that in our world we're either mentally healthy or mentally ill. You can, you can be one or the other, but you can't be just a little bit one and a little bit the other, right? That sometimes we struggle that we have these misconceptions that, that we struggle to see mental health as a sign of weakness. The people that have mental health conditions are dangerous is what we think, these misconceptions that we have, the mental health, people that have mental health conditions or issues are dangerous, that mental health is a condition that makes you crazy. Maybe that we think that people will think differently about us if we admit that we need help. Well, at the risk of maybe you thinking differently about me, I can tell you that I need help that I've gone through seasons of sadness and loneliness, never in the moment of clinical depression, but seasons where I've struggled with what I'm thinking. I've gone through those seasons when that, that little voice in the side of my head has told me things that I'll never mesh up, me, measure up, that, that I'll wrestle with shame, and that little voice will tell me that, that I'm never going to amount to anything, that I'm always going to disappoint the people who I love the most. I've walked through those moments. And so if it's going to make you feel differently about me, then at the risk of that, I'll share that with you. The risk of maybe making you feel differently about me, I can tell you that there's been periods of times, actually I'm in one right now, where I've gone to see a counselor because I need help thinking about what I'm thinking. Because my mind is, is, is going crazy and I'm overwhelmed and I need somebody to say, hey, no, slow down and listen to the truth of God's word and what it says. Sometimes it carries the stigma, but maybe sometimes all we need is somebody that's brave enough just to say, no, it's okay. We all walk through those moments. Just because you have them doesn't mean that you're too far gone or you're weak. I want to be careful because I'm not a doctor, right? And I didn't even stay at Holiday Inn Express last night. But I, but I do believe that mental health, they have these triggers that, that affect our mental health. Triggers like trauma and transition and tragedy. 
Maybe you've gone through one of those things. There's some significant trauma or you're in a transition in your life. Maybe, you're, maybe your kids are going to high school or you've moved or there's been some tragedy and there, there's triggers that, that affect our mental health. Maybe injury or illness, especially when it's prolonged or it's severe. Medications that we take, there's relational conflict, stress, financial issues, patterns of negative thinking, they all affect They're all triggers that affect our mental health, and it's important that we talk about these things. And this is what Amy Alexander says. It's important for us to talk about these things because we're vulnerable when we believe that we're immune. And if we don't talk about them, if we don't transform them, then we transmit these issues. It's going to work itself out. Maybe it's on your family, maybe it's on your friends or your people that you work with, but if you don't transform these things that are happening in our minds, then we transmit them. And unaddressed, there are consequences. Marital and relational strife, panic attacks, heightened and unhealthy reactivity, depression and addiction, and the list goes on. Simply put, the greatest danger is that we ignore our mental health when we're blind to how we're perceiving and responding to what happens to what's happening in us and around us is because that's in the moment where we're most vulnerable. And so the first thing is that, that we have to just lay this foundational that foundationally that mental health affects everyone. It's how we process these things. But secondly, if you go back to the passage, Romans 12 verse one, it says, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy, So if you have your worship God, the second one is this, that mental health calls for eyes fixed on God's mercy. In the first 11 chapters that Paul writes here, what he's done is he's kind of laid down the doctrinal or foundational premises of the gospel. And then in chapter 12, there's a turn. And if you read it, really, really, he kind of, he, he, this is the way he structures most of his letters, even though this is the longest of those, that he kind of lays out the gospel truth that leads to gospel living. Right? If we understand gospel truth, then it affects the gospel living. So that's the layout that he's done, even in Romans. And, and he says, therefore, brothers and sisters, and we'll get to those three words in just a second. But he says, in view of God's mercy, and everything after that is informed by what came before, right? It informs how we understand the world that's around us. And mercy is, this, is a part of God's very nature. And it refers to his tender, loving kindness, his patience towards us. His un, the, the, this loving kindness that he gives to undeserving people, undeserving humans, freely, because he loves us and he graciously cares for us. And Paul, in, in this letter, he's talked about all these things that, that we're justified before him, we're adopted into the family, that we have a position in, in Christ under grace, that he's promised that he'll help us during struggles, that he's have this assurance that we stand before God in his grace, that there's confidence in his faithfulness and his return. And so the, all of those things are mixed up in this chapter, these first chapters, these first 11 chapters of Romans. And then he says, in view of God's mercy, in view of all of those things, Let this be the filter that you see the life in you and around you. Have you ever messed with the filters on your iPhone, maybe an Instagram, or I think there's some that are built into your phone. I was planning on taking some funny pictures and putting them on the screen, but I felt like I would lose you completely if I did that. 
But there's fun, there's fun things, the ones that make your eyes like big. And then, you know, on Instagram, you can just do about anything. Like you can become somebody else, right? And you remember a couple years ago when the Russians were stealing our, that was a joke. I don't think the Russians were stealing our identity with the old people thing. There's filters, the camera, and it changes the way we see things, right? And so when we talk about mercy being the filter, it's because when we put mercy and when, we, when mercy is the filter, it changes our thoughts. It's the way our thoughts run through this reality, who God is and, and all that he's done for us and, and where we stand before him. It's the way we process our lives and what we see and understand and what we, and what we, what we hear, all of these things through the filter of God's mercy. That I have a standing before God, that I'm justified and adopted, that his grace has been lavished on me. It's the songs that we sing. This is who you are. This is who I am. It's all the filter of God's mercy that we see our lives through and it changes and it helps us process life the way that God designed us to process it. It's significant because when we tumble into these dark and lonely and anxious places, it comes because our filter and the way we process God and others and even ourselves is sometimes faulty. We want to say put a filter of God's mercy on because sometimes we put a filter, our, our, our God filter is faulty and we think that God's disappointed in us. That he's just this officer or judge that's ready to catch us doing something wrong and punish us. That he's abandoned us and he's absent and uncaring and he's left us alone. Maybe, maybe the filter that you have others, that you see others through is that, that, they don't, that no one understands you. No one, could, no one could love you and accept you if they really knew who you were. Maybe the filter that you view yourself in is that your struggle makes you worthless. There's no safe place for you there's no way out of the darkness that you're in, that you can't fix the problem. It's simply too big. Or on the other side, maybe you think that, that you can handle it and you don't need anybody's help. All of those are filters and they're faulty. But mental health and us being healthy and growing calls for us to view life and to put the filter of God's mercy, put our eyes and fix our eyes on God's mercy because that is where we see rightly who he is who we are because of what he's done for us. It changes the way that we see that, that he loves us, that he loves you first, that he loves you always, that he his love never fails and nothing can separate you from his love, that he's not disappointed with you, that he's not absent from you, that he's near to you. And in each of these, the rest of the three, well, I want to hopefully give us kind of some next steps. And you can see them there. The, the, the three for this, when we talk about putting the mercy filter on, is this, that, that we prioritize our time in God's word. That we prioritize time with God in prayer. And we rest in his love. Prioritizing time in God's word, time with God in his word, time with God in prayer, and resting in Christ's love. These are just basic practices. They're just basic. They're, they're the practices or the disciplines of, of, a, of, a, of a believer, of those who are walking with Christ, spending time with his, with his word. When, he, when we open up God's word in chapter 16 of Psalms, it makes us wise. It gives us light to our path. And when we spend time with God, it's rest for our souls. And we learn that he's near and that he hasn't abandoned us. Psalm 16, or Psalm you have Psalm 16, verses 9 through 11. It tells us that at his right hand, there's joy forevermore. 
that he's near us. And in his nearness, he's given us everything that we need. We spend time with him in prayer where we call out to him and ask him for wisdom. As it says in James, where we bring before him with boldness all of our concerns. We hear as we read that we can cast our cares on him because he cares for us. And so we do that and we experience life the way through that mercy filter. That he's near us and he knows us. And he wants us to know his good, pleasing, and perfect will. So first we recognize that mental health affects everyone. Secondly, we put this God, we, we fix our eyes on God's mercy, mercy filter. And then third, going back to the passage, we say don't conform. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Number three is this, that mental health calls for our minds, excuse me, calls for minds that reject being conformed by culture, but submit to being transformed by the gospel. Mental health calls for minds that reject being conformed by the culture, but submit to being transformed by the gospel. Some of the struggles that mental health that we experience in in these moments where we battle and and, and things just aren't peaceful, the reality is that, that we live lives where we confess or we say, even in our hearts and maybe in here on a Sunday, that we believe all these things about God, but outwardly our lives don't reflect that. And when those two things don't match up, there's never going to be peace. When, when the inward confessions of who God is and, and we celebrate those things don't match the way that we live and we don't live out those, those, belief, those beliefs, but rather we're conformed by the world around us, there's never going to be peace for us in our lives. And so foundationally, Again, God wants to renew our minds. He desires for our minds to be renewed, to be able to think the way that he's called us to think, to be able to process through that lens of his mercy, that filter of his mercy. And also at the same time, our culture wants to conform our minds. And if we're not paying attention to what we're putting into our minds, then we're unknowingly and unwittingly being conformed to the patterns of this world already. You may have heard the, the fun but not founded fable of the boiling frog, right? The premise is, right, that you can throw a frog into boiling water and he immediately jumps out. Or you can put a frog in a, a pot of water that's room temperature and turn up the heat slowly and eventually you boil the frog and he dies, right? That's super awesome. Some of you are real sad right now. It wasn't a real frog. I didn't do it, okay? It's not true, I'm sure some scientists has tested it. I read it on Google. It didn't actually happen. But the reality is that, that what we put into our minds matters. And we've got to be careful and wise as to what we allow to, to enter into our minds, what we see and what we listen to, who we're with and how we, how we process those things. Because listen, if we're not careful, the frog fable is exactly what happens to us. I mean, I'm, I'm more than likely going to reject just jumping headlong into our culture and just totally transforming my life into the way that the culture operates, right? But slowly, bit by bit, is the way the enemy operates, is the way our, our minds slip away from the truth of God's word and just bit by bit, the water turns up until, we're boil, until it's boiling and we're cooked. 
And so I want to use the word reject because I, I don't believe, I, I don't think that we really understand the gravity of the war that's happening for our minds. And just take the business world, for instance. Businesses, corporations spend unapologetically billions of dollars in advertising simply meant to influence the way that you think, to influence what you desire. That, that social media companies and Netflix and, and Hulu and those, those they're unapologetically, they're using, they have used, they are using, they're actively trying to improve algorithms that, that they employ that lead us to think the way that they want us to think. This is not conspiracy. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not walking down some crazy road. They legitimately, CEO of Netflix says the only competition we have is sleep. They're not worried about Blockbuster. They're not worried about Disney World. They're worried about you going to sleep. So they move everything that they can to make sure we are processing and we're listening and watching. That's why Paul urges and why I join Paul in urging to reject being conformed to the patterns of this world. I'm not saying unplug Hulu and all of those things. I'm saying pay attention to what we're watching, what we're putting in, what we're, what we're allowing ourselves to be influenced by. And we reject the patterns of this world and the way that it operates and to run from it. But rejecting is only part of the equation. It's submitting and yielding to God that his transforming work would happen in us. Transformation and renovation, listen to me though, transformation and renovation of our minds, that renewal of our minds, it takes work. And by that, I don't mean that we're somehow, we're somehow earning our salvation, but what I do mean is that what this passage says is that submitting is an active, ongoing, perpetual submission. It's an active, ongoing, perpetual offering and yielding and presenting our whole lives, every thought and every action, everything to the Lord as a living sacrifice. Active submission. It's not a one time, it's every day. It's why Jesus tells us to daily take up our cross and to follow him because it's an active dying to self and paying attention to what we put in. And so next steps for us in this is that we think about what we're thinking. It's what the, with all those scriptures that we read and that are listed there, that we, that we take captive our thoughts, that we put our minds on things above, not on things below, that we, whatever is pure and holy and right, we, we fix our minds on those things, that we trust God more than we trust ourselves. Proverbs says, lean not on your own understanding but in all your ways acknowledge him, which means, God, I don't understand things the way you understand them and I need to see them the way that you see them. So I acknowledge you. He says he will make straight your paths. In submitting, he would trust that his ways are higher than our ways, his thoughts higher than our thoughts. And we give thanks. Gratitude may be the, the single most significant way that we can change our minds. Just being thankful. It's the reason why in 1 Thessalonians, he says, this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus, that we thank him. So first, we recognize that mental health affects everyone. We fix our eyes on God's mercy. We reject being conformed by the culture, transformed by the gospel. Fourth, in this passage, going back to verse one, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
Mental health calls for individuals to share life with each other. I don't think these three words had affected me quite so clearly as they did in preparation for this week. And just the reality that what Paul is saying as he's calling out, he significantly uses these words as he's writing to the, to the Romans, as he's writing this letter, he says, brothers and sisters. What is he saying? Family. Hey, you're not in this alone. Hey, we're going we're gonna to call us to tra- transform our minds, but it's not an individual thing. It's family. We're going to do this together. Hey, come with me as my mind is transformed and my heart is renewed, that I can see things in light of God's mercy, that my eyes are transformed and my heart is transformed, and I process it through the lens of his mercy. We do it together. It was never meant to be by ourselves. Over the past several years, There's been multiple studies that have released with the powerful negative effects of loneliness. In 2017, the Surgeon General said that that loneliness was the pandemic or the epidemic of our time. How much more in 2007 is it now than it was in 2017, right? There was, there was multiple studies that, that, that suggested that loneliness was more harmful on the human body than smoking a pack of cigarettes a day. We were never meant to do this alone. That that's what we talk about when we have a family. And so next steps, and we'll kind of push forward just a little bit. Is that we were, as the church, as the church, we have to be a community and a church and our community groups. And we have to be a place where we're open and honest about our struggles that we, be, that we become a place of refuge for hurting and broken lives, a place for people to share their story and their struggles, to not hide by those things, that we as individuals, as family, come alongside and give dignity to those moments where we struggle and we walk alongside of them. And so next steps for this is, is that we prioritize time with God in worship. And we prioritize time with God's people in community. Because when we sing songs like we sang today, we declare with our mouths maybe what our minds are having trouble contemplating or having trouble actually connecting. And those thoughts are battling thoughts. And we're saying, no, listen, I'm not worthless. I am who he says I am. That God has left me alone. No, that's not the truth. He's for me. He's not against me. He's here. He's with me. And we proclaim over ourselves when that voice is against us, we're saying, no, the voice of truth, what God's word says is more, is more powerful. And when we can't do it in here, we do it in community when we surround ourselves with each other. When I'm not strong enough to say those things, you say it to me and I say it to you. So we prioritize time with God and worship where we declare, we hear God's word. And then in community, in those circles where we say, no, I'm going to be here to support you when you struggle. And you're going to be here to support me when I struggle. Because there's a real battle going on for our thoughts. And I'm going to see it when, when things start tumbling down for you. And I'm going to say, hey, no, listen, you're listening to a voice that's not the truth. Let me walk alongside of you and point you to Jesus. We have all these, all these, we point to each other. We point to, we point each other to God's mercy and his kindness and all that he's done for us. 
And speaking of all that he has done for us, all that Christ has done, there's few regular practices in the church and inside the body that, that celebrates or that captures the fullness of what Christ has done more than the practice or the celebration of communion. Because at communion, what we do is we come to a family table for a family meal. Right, We're reminded, as, as Isaiah says, that, that he was despised, meaning Jesus. He was despised and rejected by mankind. He was a man of suffering, familiar with pain. Like one whom people hid their face, he was despised and we held him in low esteem. It says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken and afflicted. But it was his, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we were healed. I'm going to invite the band to come. We're reminded on the very night that Jesus was betrayed. If you guys want to come up and the very night that Jesus was betrayed by his disciples, just hours before he would go to a cross and lay down his life as a sacrifice for our sins, that he took the bread in 1 Corinthians, it says this, and then when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And at the same time, in the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in, in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Forever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim Jesus' death or the Lord's death until he comes. Every time we do this, every time we gather, we proclaim Jesus' name. We proclaim Jesus as the son of God. And as Peter says in Acts chapter four, that he was Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified but whom God raised from the dead, that he was the stone that the builders rejected, that, that, Jesus, there, there's no, that in Jesus there is no other name under heaven that mankind can be saved, that his name is above every name. And at his name every knee shall bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so this morning, when we take this meal, we take it as a family to be reminded of the mercy that's been poured out on us. We take it as a family to look across the table and say, I've got your back because I know you have mine. We take it and proclaim that Jesus is the only name under heaven that anyone can be saved. And so as we sing this song together, I'm gonna ask you just kind of in your own time, in your own way, I'm gonna give you some time just to, I, I want you to take some time just to be there and, and process where, what God's doing in your heart. Maybe you need to repent of some sin or, or just ask God to give you just a renewed mind so you can understand more clearly and then come forward and grab the elements and at your own pace, take these. We're not gonna do that together. Go sit back down and, and take these, the, the bread and the juice And that's, if today, maybe what you've heard has sparked something and you say, man, you're talking about something that I really wanna know more about because I've never put my faith in Jesus. I would invite you rather than coming forward to grab 
this little cup with a cracker and some juice in it and taking that in your seat, then I'd rather you take Jesus and trust Jesus today. And in your seat, if you're just like, I just, I don't know all of what you're talking about, but I want to know Jesus and just ask him, ask him to, to give him control of your life. And if that's where you are, I'd love to have a conversation with you because the next time we gather for this meal, we would love for you to be a part of it as a, as a part of the family of God that celebrates this together. So again, we're going to sing. We're going to give you some time just for you to process and Whenever you feel comfortable, come forward. There's also a table in the back if that's more comfortable for you. Grab the elements, go back to your seat. And at your own time during this song, I'd invite you to take those elements. uh, And then we'll continue to worship uh, before we exit this morning. So let me pray for us and then we'll sing together. Jesus, we thank you for this morning. And God, we, even as we're about to sing, we sing Jesus. We speak the name of Jesus over doubt and depression, over those dark thoughts, over the the, the places that we go in our minds. We speak Jesus over those things because there's no other name under heaven by which we can be saved. There's no other name that is greater than the name of Jesus. And we proclaim your name as we take these elements. We proclaim that your name, Jesus, It's who we trust more than we trust anybody else. Jesus, we fall on your mercy. It's in Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to our Rolling Hills Sermon Podcast, part of the Rolling Hills Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, subscribe to it or share it with some friends. You can also check out some of our other great podcasts like Making History Parenting Podcast, Men's Leadership Network, RH Women's As You Go Podcast, and more. If you're interested in learning more about Rolling Hills, download our app, follow us on social media, or visit our website at rollinghills.church. We're so thankful for you.